the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, insurance, stock markets, some of the simpler things. I tend to like to spend a day a week just going over some strategy ideas, some things that you know we have to just do right. Um, first and foremost, have a budget. Um, that's always sounds like an odd one to me to say out loud, but I think it goes a long way when you can figure out what you're going to be spending and in what direction, what's coming in, what's going out. So budget's important and you have to have some goals. Um, and you fund the goals with the budget. Probably the goals should be what retirement from 60 to a hundred. You know, you'll, you'll personalize that for yourself. Um, maybe a second home, maybe a first home, depending on where you live. Maybe some money to leave to your children. Maybe a, you know, have you ever watched a game show? And the host says, so what are you going to do if you win that $200,000, Rick? And Rick says, oh, well, I, I've always wanted to take my parents uh, on a around-the-world uh, vacation. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So you, goals are, are really important. And if you don't write them down, I don't think they're real. Or if you don't actually live them, I don't think they're real. A lot of people will have that idea of well, one day when I retire, I'm going to go to Paris, France. But then they, they never get it out of their head. And they just kind of stick right there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, ultimately a fair game. Um, so budget and goals are important. Understand a little bit about insurance. You don't want insurance. It's too good to be true. So when you start hearing about, you can get your money back, start questioning it right there. Oh, the money that you put back, you can use on a loan later in life. It's not that simple and it's not that cheap. Insure what you can't afford to lose. So start thinking that everything you see as something kind of intriguing to you. One of the ones that always uh, – I have just no interest in this goal is owning a franchisee. I think in a period of my life, I wanted to own like maybe an Airbnb when I retired, become the chef, let the wife become like the bookkeeper, kind of like a TV sitcom. That was a goal of mine, but I've kind of let that one go. But one thing I do know is that I don't want to own a franchisee. I don't want to be a franchisee. I don't want to own a franchise. I don't want to buy into it. Um. I don't know. To me, everyone that I know that has a franchise works like a dog. When one of my sons was really, really young, he was in a pre-preschool. And uh, one of the families that we got to know, he owned a restaurant, Five Guys. 
or he was a franchisee for five guys is probably the best way of saying that. But he owned five of them. Really super quality guy. He said something, he did it. If your kid needed to be picked up after soccer, he was there. He, I mean, he was a good kid. He's not dead or anything. He's just out of my life. Um, long story short, I owned a franchise and uh, did not enjoy it. His quality of life went down. Now, again, I could tell you that he probably wasn't born in this country, came to this country, married in this country, really good guy, and maybe that was his goal. I'm not going to knock it. But when it comes to being a franchisee, you got to like accept you're going to do things like 50 ounce double big gulps. I'm like, oh no. Do you want me to be a 7 Eleven franchisee now? No. But uh, interesting to study, 7 uh, Eleven, one of the reports that I was reading a couple months ago was about how millennials go to 7 Eleven to buy nice wine now. And when I was a child, there was no, actually, I got to be careful about how you use the word child and go to 7 Eleven for wine, right? Uh, when I was a child, 7-Eleven was, it wasn't the $60 bottle of wine. It was the Slurpee and, you know, it was the pina colada Slurpee and you just prayed that you didn't drop it or if you did drop it or if it came decoupled from the cup that it didn't land in your dad's back seat. Anyhow, I have no interest in being a franchisee, but I can get how some cultures do. Um, I have no interest in retirement to live with my children. Um, I don't think that's fair to them, but again, I can be crossing a cultural thing right now where, uh, some cultures want to live with their children and they expect their children to take care of them. I'm not that person. So part of my goals is to have enough money to retire and to live till the day I die, but I also have a housing solution in place if I need a private nurse so that my children aren't changing my diaper. Uh, as a man who's changed an adult diaper or two in his life, it's not fun. So, um, I don't know. Those are some of the things that drive me. So one of the things that I do and that I'm very cognizant of is I make a bit of a sacrifice right now. I put as much money into my retirement as I can. When is it too much? Uh, I think you'll know. I've got enough now that I could literally take time off and I should because otherwise I'm going to work till the day I die or I'm going to show myself that I don't really want to retire. So have some goals, write them down, talk with your spouse, have an adult conversation. Don't do it with alcohol. Where do you want to live in retirement? That's a big one that's coming up with me right now. As you, we all know, California is very expensive and it doesn't get cheaper for seniors. We have sales taxes in most of our major cities of 9 to 10%. So if you have a million dollars in retirement, you really only have $900,000 if you're going to spend it in retail in the Bay Area or in California. So whether you're going out to restaurants, whether you're getting groceries, that 9% tax is, is not cheap. Then you get a state income tax. Then you get the federal taxes. Then you get property taxes. And suddenly you're like, I'm spending sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year in taxes and retirement just to be in this state. Yeah, I get it. Close to a beach is lovely. Close to mountains is great. Um, pretty, yeah, it's a little crowded in some areas, but it's still a pretty good state. But <clears throat> it's expensive. So part of my my shtick here is is you have to have these conversations. Maybe it's when you're fifty. Maybe it's when you're fifty-five. But you, it, you just can't 
you got to write some of the stuff down. You have to have a plan. Um, and that's where I like the CFP designation. I've been working a lot with uh, training. I'm watching CFPs be trained right now. And they are grilled on grilling you. It, it's institu- it's Their systems are all, all about making sure you are doing things well, that you're being monitored, that you're being checked up on. Um, for instance, one of them is a cash flow an- analysis of your rental properties. Or you could probably say better yet of your real estate portfolio. A lot of people, and uh, CFP Chapterton and myself have sat down with a lot of people in the past, that they thought they were doing better than they were until a CFP showed them what they could have done in tax savings or what they could have done with a proper plan. Um, so don't, that's one thing that I don't want to use, I don't want to sound too self-fulfilling here, but uh, don't short change yourself with your biases. A lot to talk about in the world of strategy. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Let's see. Let's do a quick rundown. I've got a brother who was divorced twice. I've got another brother who was divorced twice. I've got a brother who was divorced once. A brother who was divorced once. I was divorced once. Um, a sister? Never divorced. The thought that I'm throwing down here is marriages are expensive. And one of the things I can tell you is that all of the exes in my life, hopefully in your life, if it ended badly, hopefully you could kind of find a a positive or two in your head about what you liked about them. That's where you tried to go in divorce. I've seen divorces get contentious and get expensive fast. Um, but again, it's, it's a big financial decision to get married and it's even a bigger financial decision when you get a divorce on how you play it. <laughs> I know a gentleman pretty well, in fact, and this one surprised me because he didn't see it on the outside. His divorce went to court and one thing I, I, I appreciate about California, it's a no fault state. So you can't say my wife cheated on me or she, she left me or emotionally ditched me. Yeah, there's no reason to get a lawyer in California. And again, I just pissed off a lot of lawyers. You're like, oh, robble, 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 robble. Um, a mediator is the way to go. If you could find that you could both work on terms to positively unresolve or uh, pull apart the marriage. But again, it's a big financial decision. I've seen divorces cost well over $100,000. Okay, remember, uh, I got a brother who is a lawyer, judge, kind of guy. At one point in time in his divorce, him and his wife became so contentious that the judge is like, okay, I'm going to flip a coin for the bed. Who wants the bed? Oh, they both both do. Oh, that was my bed. I, I, I had that bed before we were married. That's my bed. No, that's my bed. Judge flipped a coin. 
uh, Kermit the doll, Kermit the frog doll. Uh, they both wanted that. And you're like, what did your brother own? A couch, and a bed, and a Kermit doll? No. But you get the idea. Ridiculous things became contentious, and a judge had to say, I'll flip a coin to see who gets it. Which one do you want, Mr. Black? Very expensive and very stupid process. I've seen people yell at judges. I haven't seen it, but I've been told the stories. Um, and anytime that happens, the lawyer sitting next to you and the lawyer sitting next to your partner, as y'all are separating, they're both smiling because they're like, ooh, that one's going to cost you guys. <laughs> that one's going to cost you guys. Ooh, I'm going to build another couple hours on this one. So just grasp that one, okay? If you can demediate, mediate. Um, it'll save you a lot of money and hopefully you'll find some positives down the road. So divorce is expensive, um, but I think mediation is the way to go. What's interesting to note about divorce is it's an area where I see a lot of people make a lot of mistakes. And what I mean by that is women sometimes like a big mistake I see in marriage in divorce is the woman says, I want the house. I want the place where the kids grew up, which is fine. But right there, I'm starting to unlock some biases. Like, okay, she had kids. She probably took a couple years off to take care of the kids. Now she wants the house. Um, I'd go for the 401k. Or I would split everything evenly. <clears throat> maybe a buyout of the property, maybe something along those lines, right? But <clears throat> it's... I see that as a huge mistake at times. Um, way too many people in California are house rich, cash poor. Um, and that can be an ugly situation. So I've seen a lot of hoarders that they have a house worth one to two million dollars and it's filthy because they have no cash flow to support keeping it clean, keep the clutter away. Uh, it happens. So. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I was speaking with CFP Chad Burton yesterday, and he's like, are you getting these too? I'm like, yeah, I'm getting this. <clears throat> the amount of people from his life who are quitting their jobs to start trading Bitcoin, the amount of people who are asking for the next Tesla or if they should buy GameStop now, it's really, and it, to me, it's always interesting to see who comes out. Um, there was a guy who was a big fan of the radio show for years and years and years and years. And I guess you could say he graduated because now he has a Facebook post and he talks all about investing in Bitcoin. So he's probably not listening to me anymore. Um, but again, I think the phenomenon I'm trying to get at here is something along the lines of, when there's speculation in the markets and when markets are hitting 10-year highs or regularly hitting highs over a 10-year period is a better way of saying that, there's going to be some dodgy scenarios where it's easy to make money and then you suddenly get a charlatan or two and you get a person who's like, hey, I can teach you how to make money. Um, but it's it's shocking because sometimes they're the most down-to-earth people and suddenly they're publishing their thoughts on Bitcoin. Um, the guy that I'm t talking about, the he used to be a big fan of the show. Uh, reading one of his posts, they weren't very complex. Like, oh, I think Bitcoin will go to 100,000 because the government is supporting it. 
And you're like, what do you mean the government supported it? Oh, I just think the government supported it. <laughs> like, that's not a reason. Like, th- there's no fact there. There's no analysis there. But you see kind of people, and again, I, Bitcoin can be part of your wealth. And I'm going to give Mark Cuban the credit on this one. If you want to own 1%, that's fine. Um, if you feel like you're chasing it, you probably are. Don't put yourself in that position of letting greed or fear get into you. Fear of missing out. Greed of wanting to stay a little bit too long in an asset that is controversial. Um, and I bring that up because I'm not, I'm not trying to say Bitcoin. It could be anything. Chad and I saw it in 2000 when E-Trade was cutting the commissions. You know, you get 10 free trades or $5 a trade when the whole industry was moving that direction. Now the whole industry is moving towards not the whole industry, but new investors are looking at Robinhood. And it's just interesting to me, the lack of self-awareness that this has all happened before. Um, I'm not against people trying to get in and learn. I'm not just be realistic and understand some of your shortcomings. When you're finding yourself posting on Facebook that, you know, I think it's going to go up 100%, doubles are tough to come by. If they were easy, we'd all do them. Uh, Do they fall in your lap? Sometimes, absolutely. But pursuing a double is like hunting for Bigfoot. Probably not going to happen until you quit looking for it, and then you're going to see it, obviously. He was there all the time. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. It's really easy to talk about the fun, sexy things in the stock market when things are going well, when you're in a long-term uptrend. Um, it's not so fun talking about the stock market in a market correction. It's not so much fun talking about financial planning issues, which we're about to talk about right now. CFP Chad Burton is joining me now. Mr. Burton, let's talk a little bit of the finality of the end game, death and financial planning. Um, as you know, I recently... Uh, had my mother pass and it's shocking how much you get refreshed per se in the process of going through financial documents of oh yeah you got to do this oh yeah you got to do that uh let's talk about what to do when a parent passes from a financial planner perspective what you got for me today chad well yeah this the steps and yes just more and more i kind of started the career 26 years ago with my grandfather. And so well, he had a lot of older clients. So I dealt with this really early on. And it's kind of like you go through these cycles of it. And we have a lot of baby boomer clients that are dealing with the, with their parents too. And the, the first pe- thing people ask is, do you have a checklist? Which, yeah, we do because we go through this situation quite often. Um, and is there anything urgent uh, people ask about Social Security. What about that? Because people are getting Social Security checks, right, Rob? Well, the funeral home usually notifies Social Security. So that's one thing to note. Okay. And the other thing to note is that if the person was married, the smaller check goes away and the bigger check stays with the survivor. The issues that can occur when the survivor was receiving a government pension, then Social Security can change a little bit. But that's the first thing that 
happens is the notification of Social Security typically. And then is the person receiving any other type of pension? And what are those survivor benefits? But some more, even more immediate issues, Rob, is, is what about pets? Does a person have a pet? Is there a plan for who's going to take care of the pet? You got to get a declaration of death, especially if somebody passed away at home. Um, and another immediate thing <clears throat> to deal with is finding out what the burial plan is. Is it a burial? Is it a cremation? Um, and, and getting that process going. And that's probably some, one of the most difficult parts is somebody's grieving, trying to deal with those types of issues. And then, of course, there's securing the person's property, you know, making sure that the house is secure, the vehicles are secure, things like that. And when you are at the funeral mm-hmm. home, I suggest typically 15 death certificates. I've heard the number is about 10, but I always find people need more and they're not that expensive. So because you might find assets to deal with later on as you're trying to settle the estate that you might need those death certificates. That is so um, weird. And yeah, it's, it's, there's, there, there's a lot and you're trying to grieve and deal with all these different issues. But um, I'd say these days, the thing that I'm seeing more and more of is the, the pet issue. There's a lot of people that have pets. And so um, that's, that's kind of a reminder for people to put a couple of things in their will. One is pets, what to do with the pets. Okay. And number two is digital assets. What about the social media accounts, right? Oh, my. Uh, fortunately, I don't have to worry about that with my mother. But your kids are going to have to worry about it with you, in theory, if that makes more sense uh, as it gets bigger and bigger. Even things like um, your Apple Music and stuff that you bought, all the Star Wars movies that you purchased on iTunes all those years ago. And uh, what do you do with those and who owns those upon death? Uh, I have a brother, Clint, right now who – instantly asked me and my brother, my brother Dave's an attorney, so he's doing the state planning part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he instantly said, hey, how much am I going to get? <laughs> and my brother Dave's like, screw off. We will let you know in 2021. And he was, he was upset about 2021. He's 2022. Uh, he was all upset about it because he's like, we have to pay the taxes. She died in 2021. So it's going to be a while before everything settles and already things are off to a bumpy start. Yeah, I mean, typically if you're trying to look at some sort of a big picture timeline, even if a person Mm -hmm. has a trust and there's no probate, it's six to nine months and it could be longer if there's a will where where if it's a a state over, let's say, 30 grand and you're going to go with a will, which all that is is a letter to the probate court, you're typically looking at, on average, I think nine to 12 months minimum. And things are taking longer right now because of COVID and court shutdowns. And you got to get a good attorney to help on the probate side. I've got one client situation right now, Rob, where they're they're going to receive a large inheritance from a state, and the paralegal is acting like it's her estate and won't even give a list of assets. And I'm like, I'm bewildered. This is just an email I got this morning. I'm just like, okay, who's the client here? Um, but you know, going back to kind of like big picture stuff, yeah. Um, the process if you do have to build a team once you get past kind of the the burial and, and the securing the property and, and things like that. You do have to build a team. You're going to want an attorney, if, especially if it's a probate issue, which means you died without a living trust or, or if accounts don't have beneficiaries on it. Okay. Um, and you, you need a CPA and in many cases, a good financial advisor, certified financial planner. And so you got to gather up all the assets, the liabilities, the income sources, how are they titled? It's really making a list and accumulating all this paperwork. And one of the more immediate things is often notifying all insurance companies. If they had had life insurance or long-term care insurance, 
a lot of times the life insurance or annuities will pay the beneficiaries directly without probate. And so that's kind of one process that happens outside of the, the court. Um, the CPA, and, or in some cases the, the attorney, you got to ask which one do you want to, you get the attorney first and typically ask them, are you going to ask for the estate tax ID? Because when somebody passes, you have to get an estate tax ID and then funnel all of the assets into, into a new account under the new tax ID number. Because you have a situation where the person has a final tax return personally, and then their estate is going to have a tax return as well. And so everything kind of ends up funneling into a new estate account, That's unless it's a retirement account. And then you go through all these final processes, and then that's when you can dis- distribute it. Um, all debts need to be paid off before the money's distributed. The final tax return needs to be distributed. In many cases, the file an estate tax return, which is a 706. Yep. And um, so, like I said, six to nine months or longer if probate occurs. And that's why especially people in California need a living trust to help reduce that time frame. It's fascinating, Chad, because you and I, have, we've seen some of the, the craziest stuff that happens upon death. Uh, you had an aunt or somebody take a ring off of a dead person, dead family member. And it's like that one, she promised it to me, a man. We've done that story so many times on radio and a friend of mine in radio, um, his mom, uh, his mother-in-law just passed. No, will, <laughs> only one daughter. So in her head, she's like, I don't need an attorney. I only have one daughter. Right. It's all going to go to her. There's, and I'm like, Ooh, you, you, it's going to be a long, expensive process to, uh, pass that one on, so to speak. But we'll talk about seen some crazy the, stuff. the estate that I was telling you about before. That yeah. the 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 uh, paralegal is acting like, no, no I'm not going to give you a spreadsheet, not until probate's over. It's like I've never dealt with something like that. Well, the couple that died, they actually had a trust, but they didn't put many of their assets were not properly titled to their living trust. So essentially, it threw them into probate. Okay. Um, and so there's, the, the, if you're going to do a living trust, you've got to make sure assets are titled correctly and beneficiaries are correct. And I have no clue how to do that, so I have to hire someone, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, in many cases, but it's part of an individual's own estate plan. And a lot of people ask, too, okay, mom passed away, um, dad passed away a long time ago, what do I do with the IRA? Right? Okay. That's a big, that's totally different, because typically if there's a beneficiary on the IRA, it's not going to go through probate. If they had an IRA where they over age 70 and a half for required minimum distributions, now that's age 72, but that's where it can get complicated because if they haven't taken the required minimum distribution for the year, the beneficiaries have to take it. And then if you want, Rob, if you want to receive your mom's IRA, and let's say her IRA was at Schwab, you have to open an inherited IRA account. Your share will go into that inherited IRA account. And then that's when you can transfer it to whatever custodian you want, an inherited IRA at TD, an inherited IRA at Fidelity. Um, you got to go through that process. And that is a process. So I think to kind of put a ribbon on this, so to speak, um, having a well-planned out death makes a lot of sense because what you're sa- saying sounds very complicated. Um, I'm not in that situation where my mom had an IRA. My, she was living off my dad's pension. Uh, but I'd rather mourn right now than try to figure out distributions on IRAs. Um, and so itemizing everything and having an inventory and working with people like you who've been through this process numerous times, like I didn't do that about 15 death certificates and something that it just came to my head, Chad, um, we met or I met my spouse because her husband passed and you talked to her 
and you were able to find life insurance that she didn't even know she had because she worked, her husband had worked at Apple. Um, so I guess I got to say thanks for that. But, uh, well, up. that's another final thing that people do too these days is have to go to the state agencies that, that where anybody lived. Every state has a lost assets. Okay. Um, and we find stuff all the time. And the 15 death certificates because I find older people often buy individual stock certificates, and, and those are a pain to deal oh. with. Please, if anybody has individual stock certificates or directly held stocks, get them into a brokerage account like a Schwab or Fidelity. Um, and finally, before we run out of time, Rob, a big question that people always ask is, am I going to pay inheritance tax? And the answer is no, really, because what happens is it's called a state tax. And that's only if you're over 11.7 million single or 23.4 million married. Okay. And, um, that happens at the estate level, the estate tax return before it goes to the beneficiaries. So that's, that's a common question that people ask. Good stuff. Thanks for joining me, CFP Chad Burton. We're talking about an unpleasant topic, death. We're trying to personalize it as best as we can and to kind of set up some reminders that working with a team is probably the right approach, um, especially if it's a sizable asset, but also being prepared for it. Uh, I can't tell you how many people know that they're in the last three years of their life and they don't get any organization put to place. They don't get any team members laid down. Um, it's a stressful time and there's a lot of big financial decisions on it. You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. It's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. It's chadburton.com. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I just had CFP Chad Burton on talking about death. And as you know, my mother passed in 2021. COVID-related symptoms cause of death, COVID. Um, it's brutal. And you're never really ready for it, even when it happens. Um, the best thing you can do, if you're wealthy and you're 50, start writing stuff down. Whether it be your life story or where the will is or where the insurance policies are, you can put a funny password on it that you know gets released upon your death or can get hacked upon your death or what have you. But organization is huge. Organization in life, it, it'll help your children. It'll help the schools. It'll help uh, with careers. Organization is a good thing. For those of you who are a little anally retentive on your organization skills, not a bad thing. Um and here I am trying to be funny. I'm telegraphing it because it could flop. That chick Marie Kondo, she's like this organizing goddess, right? I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but uh, she's Japanese. And I shouldn't call her a chick, and I was the joke. But I'm really attracted to like that super organizational, super clutter-free mentality. When it comes to money and investing, you almost have to have it to be successful over time. Um, otherwise, you may just get more in the right place at the right time kind of luck. Um, so organization skills are, are critical. And just writing stuff down helps. You know, 2020, Larry King died, right? 2021. And he had been married something like seven, eight, nine times. <laughs> Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story because it's seven's pretty bad, but nine's even worse. Um and his will, 
he changed his mind. I don't know the whole story, but it sounds like he was going to get a divorce from Sean, who he talked about all the time on his radio and TV shows. Um, it, it, they were happy. They were happy. She's great. And the next thing you know, they're divorced or they're in the process of divorcing. Uh-oh, that's the problem, right? So there's a handwritten will, hand, handwritten will, where he wants things to go to his children. But what's weird is he's had five children, and two of them are already dead. They died before him. And they're in the handwritten will. So you're like, when was this written? And when was this last will and testament that was certified by an attorney? And you're like, Larry, you didn't do this. You didn't leave this mess, did you? And the answer is yes, he did. And Michael Jackson died without a will. Is that not insane? For the record, I was playing a stupid game of celebrities that were already dead that would have died during COVID had they still been alive. And the number one on my list that I could come up with was Michael Jackson would have been would have died of COVID, right? And I, I don't know if that's dark of me, but when you're locked up for too long, you go a little, little bit cray cray. So no will, no trust. Um, that's pretty intense on Larry King, and it's pretty intense on Michael Jackson. And we see it all the time. I understand dying at 35 and not having a will and trust. I get it. Um, when it's an accident, I understand how shocking and devastating it can be. But I didn't even do a good job of keeping my financial records um, prepared for death until I turned 40. Because that's when I started thinking, like, you know, I know one person. In, in your 20s and 30s, you like, you know people in car accidents. In your 40s, you're like, oh, yeah, he had lymphoma. And you're like, oh, it hits you a little differently, right? So Sean King, Larry King's estranged wife, I think that's the estranged widow is the right way of saying it right now. Um, she's saying completely opposite, that he wanted all the money to go to her, that she's got a will that says this. Um, it's, it's a mess. And the best thing I could do is tell you when your spouse dies or your parent dies, you really want to spend the time mourning them and not spending the time trying to process their paperwork. I told you my dad was a, a horrible organizer to the point that when he died, I learned he had $40,000 of credit card debt. That's too much for a man who's retired. And then you look at it. He didn't have – I mean his income was probably 60000 and he was carrying $40,000 of credit card debt and a mortgage. No, not good. Um, he had enough assets, but he had – and what's interesting is I'm going through his paperwork. I'm going through his paperwork. Ah, uh, $40,000 credit card debt. And I'm like, okay, let's see, what the, let's see what he was charging. And it was all tools, power tools, which is even – it's more absurd, the story. <laughs> the stories get more and more absurd. Um, I think last Friday I told you the story about my neighbor who uh, got a call from Amazon that she had been hacked and they needed to get into her computer right now and screenshot and she needs to update her credit cards over the phone. And you're like, no, you didn't do that. No, that's absurd. No one would do that. No. And the truth is people do. So I think my take home of this segment of this hour is something along the lines of organization. Um, whether you're thinking about being 20 years old and spending the next 40 years working, um, having a goal, having a budget. That's the organizing that you need to do. 
But when you turn 40 or 50, you need to start thinking about what if. Because when you get cancer or when you get COVID, your, your number one goal should be getting better. It shouldn't be, oh, by the way, I need to tell my children where the check account is. Or that I've been secretly saving money for them so that when I pass, they, they get it. And then suddenly no one knows the account password. No one knows where the account is. No one knows the account numbers. Um, it's a process. Help people out. Help the living if you want them by getting some organization. And may I recommend a binder? May I recommend a binder to like start putting stuff like life insurance, maybe your will? Uh, not the greatest idea to put it just in a binder. Uh, maybe a digital binder as well, but a binder is at least a start. Um, my mom had some intention of she wanted to be buried, uh, but we cremated her because she really had never made it all that clear to all of her children. Oh, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. <laughs>